Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. Welcome to episode 109. We're going to talk about controlling your thoughts. We're going to talk about warfare in the mind. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the enormous power of what you think and how to change what you think and therefore change your life. I'm all about it. It's going to be a great talk. Before that, it is story time, and you've promised me a story I've never heard in my life. I am I am 90% sure you do not know this story. Well, you, you had my interest, <laughs> but now you have my curiosity. Yes. So uh, this would be about 1976 or 7. Okay. I am either 14 or 15 years old. 200 years after the Revolutionary <clears throat> War. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm playing uh, ice hockey. Um, I'm in a hockey league. And our coach is a guy named Jocko Bailey. Jocko? Jocko Bailey. He had played professional hockey. He was gray-headed. He was probably 70 years old. Birth name, Jocko? I don't know, but that's what he told us. I'm Jocko Bailey. Okay. The dude was a hockey genius. And uh, one time, we're all in a van. And Jocko's driving, and we're going to – I think we're we're uh, out of town at a tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, between games, we're loaded in this van, and we're headed somewhere to grab lunch or something. And it needs to buy gas. Well, this was during the gas shortage. Are you familiar with the gas shortage? I've seen – in some documentary I was watching, they had a, a montage, and one of them was cars lined, lined around this up, gas station. Yes, and this was during that time. I don't know anything really about it, but – um, so we needed gas and the line was really long mm-hmm. and Jocko, man, this guy cussed like no one I've ever heard cuss before. He well, was, he's, he's a hockey genius. <clears throat> he got it right. Yeah. And if, if, if Huck, if, if cussing were an Olympic sport, he would have been a gold medalist. <laughs> and so, uh, he's just really ticked off that this line is so long and we're inching our way, inching our way, inching our way. Yeah. Well, now we're next in line for the pump and the guy in front of us pumps his car, his gas goes into the store and he ain't coming out <clears throat> rude and we were looking in there and Jocko's like where is that you know blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. yeah and I said hey Jocko he's in there on the phone he'd gone in there and he picked up the payphone and he's making and he's on a phone call mm-hmm. so <laughs> Jocko oh he's th- no way <laughs> he walks into the store taps a guy on the shoulder and he points out is that your car and the guy says, yes, it is. Jocko punched this guy in the face three times before he hit the ground. What? Knocked him almost unconscious. Punched him directly in the face as he's falling three times, like a hockey fight in the, in the store. Before Jocko, the ref can get to him. Jocko like, walks out of the store, gets in the van, puts it in drive, and we drive off. He, he doesn't even stick around to get gas. And he is so mad. Man, we aren't saying a word. Wow. Yeah. Jocko, Different time, I guess. Jocko. You could just... Texas in the seventies or yeah. the yeah the seventies late seventies yeah. you could just punch a guy to payphone and yeah the marshal would give you an award yeah because he right. shouldn't have left his car at the pump justice just <laughs> <laughs> for context how long did the gas shortage last now I'm very curious about it was it. less than a year okay it was it was it seems like it was a matter of months maybe it was a year and uh, Jocko I love the name and right. so my granddaughter Jaden 
I call her Jocko. I didn't know that was why. She does not know that's where that came from, but that's that's where the Jocko name came from, and I call her Jocko. I've heard the name, like, um, I think, I'm going to sound stupid if I'm wrong, but Jocko Pistorius, he's a, a bassist. Um, he's no tango me the they one of the the world's best, but you were true to your word. I don't think I've ever heard that story before. There you go. Cause I can't believe that he just punched a stranger. In the face I'm telling times. you a van load of, of 14 year old hockey players <laughs> were like, what <laughs> man? Also hockey genius is a very funny thing to say. Like, of course I'm sure he was in a, a savant, but the words hockey genius to me are like, like a oh. band. You can have a band called hockey genius. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's such a thing as a genius in hockey. And right now, the Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. Uh-huh. And uh, this is another little uh, bonus story. My brother lives in Texas, and I live here in Washington. And uh, we're both hockey fans. We both played uh, junior hockey as kids. And um, so we were talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he sent me a picture of his bracket. You can fill out your bracket for the whole tournament. Like March Madness style kind of thing. Yeah. And he sends me a picture of his bracket. And he says, send me a picture of yours. So I print one off. I think it through. I fill it out. And I send him mine. He said, we need some kind of contest. I said, okay. Um, So we created point values. The points get higher as the games get more important. Sure. Or closer to the end. And uh, then we also predicted how many goals would be scored in the Stanley Cup finals by both teams combined. So we have all these points. The winner gets to pick where we're going to meet to spend three days together, and the loser has to pay for it. <laughs> that's really that's good. That's so a wholesome prize. Yeah, so we're going to have a three days together. Now, the each of us pay our own way to get there. Right. But once we arrive, the loser has to pay for everything. That's pretty sweet. So we'll play a little golf, eat some steaks, hang out with each other. See which one of you is the hockey genius. So your Uncle Joe is going to he's gonna spend some money on me. What do you do? I've never done a bracket. What, if a team loses, they're out of the tournament. Right. What do you do if you'd pick them for a game three games down? Then you already nest that one and that one and that Whoa. one. Whoa. Yeah. So if you had one favorite to go all the way and they lost in the first round. Oh, you're be, in serious trouble. You're, you're going to get hurt. That's brutal. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've 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 piddled. Piddled. I, that's the word I was going to say. I didn't know if it was gross. I was like, <laughs> is, that a, is that a nasty word? We've piddled away some time. Uh, get us into the power. I. Uh, the title's tough because you you kind of preface this conversation for me, and I thought there's a lot here that I would love to talk about. But the conversation, the title, "Power of Thoughts," Winning. is like is like some life guru, yeah, clickbait thing. I don't, I don't. It's 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 better than it sounds. So walk me through what you mean when you say okay that. Um, first of all, there's a book I really like that I'm about halfway through, um, from Craig Rochelle called "Winning the War in Your Mind." Okay, now I have always believed in the power of our thoughts uh solomon wrote in proverbs as a man thinks in his heart so he is mm-hmm. i have always said one of my sayings maybe you never mind <laughs> uh, one of my sayings is uh, the two most important things about you or what do you think about god and what do you think about you were you waiting on me to quote it to like bring no it no no i was gonna say uh hopefully you know this line once i say it yeah i was thinking about you know after i'm dead will you know these sayings or not Anyway, that all flew through my mind in lightning speed. Um, that uh, there's some principles that I've always believed. And mm-hmm. one is, you know, the, really, truly the most defining thing about you. What do you think about God? What do you think about you? Sure. You will subconsciously navigate your life on the basis of those two answers 
in millennia ways. And it's truly a powerful life-shaping thing, even though you never give conscious thought to it. Uh, you are navigating um, by these thoughts, by these beliefs, these impressions, these images in your mind. In fact, God wired us in such a way that our lives are always moving in the direction of our currently dominant thoughts. So you ever notice when you, um, if you, when you buy a new car, let's say when you got your little Toyota truck. Yeah. What do you start noticing everywhere? Medium Toyota truck. I mean, it's a little Toyota <laughs> truck. Uh, what's funny. It's this, a big man in a little truck. It's true. If I, if I gain about 15 pounds, I will, I will have to lose weight to continue to drive the car. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. In this particular example, I didn't see any more because because I wanted this car so bad, I was already seeing them. Oh. But I have noticed when when you guys buy a car, like when you bought your Subaru, yeah. everywhere, all I could see all was the Subaru. All you could see is Yeah. And this is because you're thinking about them. Yeah. And this is this is a thing that's actually motivational speakers use this to help you. But it's all it's very, very true. And this is why um, if you're on a diet and you're thinking about all the things you can't eat, all you can think about is those things you can't eat. Totally. So, um, and you move in the direction of those thoughts instinctively. So, um, this is kind of based on an idea called cognitive behavioral therapy. If you can, if you can change the way you're actually thinking, you can change your behaviors. Sure. So here's a thought 10 years from now, you're going to look in the mirror and there's a dude going to look back at you. And right now, the thoughts you're thinking right now are going to determine who that guy is. Yeah. You're working on a, on a book. Yeah. And you're working on that book, Ebbs and Flows. Mm-hmm. There are times when you have, um, man, you're, you're buttoned down, you're focused, you're sitting there and you're working. Other times you drift. Yeah. What does that say about what you're thinking? What are the thoughts you have about writing that book that are affecting the way you're writing that book? Yeah, that's good. Um, for me, it is how much I think it'll be successful when I think um, it doesn't matter how much I were to produce, it wouldn't go anywhere and it would be wasted time, quote unquote, even mm-hmm. though cognitively, I don't believe it would be even if it, even if it's a, nobody really, read it's, it. a it's a very personally developmental exercise, exactly. even if nobody reads it. Exactly. I cognitively, I believe that, but subconsciously, I think my motivation disappears when I have no hope in the project. Yes. Cause but, that that it would be in some way wasted effort. Yes. And this becomes hard. This is one of the battles of life because once you have these negative thoughts and they are affecting you negatively, it's really hard to turn that ship around. Yeah. Do you have an example of this in your life? You you have a project of your own. Is it is it similar for that? Yeah, it's um <clears throat> it's at a kind of a pausing standstill. Yeah. Um, partially because I'm having trouble getting motivated, but I'm not having trouble getting motivated because I don't think it'll do well as a, as a, as a tool for fathers, um, or as a contribution to whoever, you know, would use it. Yeah. I don't know what my demotivator is right now. Yeah. Well, and for me, the, the same, um, would it be worth it question for, is a lot of like, uh, am I motivation for uh, eating healthy or working out? If I could, I wonder if I could see what I would look like if I like, if, you know, if you had like a magical app or magical mirror, show someone what they would look like if they worked out and ate right for like six months. Mm -hmm. What do you think that would motivate them more to know that it would work 
to know for a fact that it would work, and that's what exactly what you would look like. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Well, I mean, when you think about a little tangential, but like how uh, X percent of people don't don't follow uh, the advice or medicine prescribed by their doctor, even if they know it will kill them. Right. I think it's probably breaks down to chemical dependency. So maybe no amount of motivation works at that point. But uh, for me, I think I might it might help. I don't know. Talk about the power of thoughts. The big one for me is knowing it would succeed. But I can say that now because I've never known for a fact that anything ever would succeed. So maybe if I did know that, it actually wouldn't motivate me at all. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Yeah. So you're, you're thinking thoughts all the time. You're thinking my book's going to be successful or not successful. You're thinking you do good work or you do bad work. Sure. You think you're a valuable employee or rah, 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 I might get fired. You think you're doing well in your marriage or you're not. You think your wife is good to you or you think she's not. We are making value judgments and thoughts all the time. Yeah. And those thoughts are, in fact, um, shaping the way that we actually act. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we believe lies. And the funny thing is, if you believe a lie, it actually affects your life as if the lie were true Hmm. because you're believing it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they say elephants have a great memory, right? Do you know why they say that? Uh is it the post, the hitching post? Yeah. yeah. When a baby elephant is a baby, they tie that rope around their ankle, tie it to a little stake in the ground, mm-hmm. and the elephant tries to get away, and it can't. Once they realize they can't get away, these you'll see at the circus these giant elephants with a little rope around their ankle and a stake in the ground. And they won't even try it. Because- they won't even try because they believe they cannot get through. Yeah. This is the power of a lie if you – so perception becomes reality. Yeah. Now, your mind is also a battlefield. And if you don't think it's a battlefield, then here's what you're like. You're like a family having a picnic at the beach on D-Day. <laughs> and all this war is about to go on, and you're just going to be obliterated while you're fat, dumb, and happy eating your BLT. Yeah. Um, and I this, love BLTs. And this is the way most of us are. We, we are not aware of the warfare that's going on in our minds, and we're not aware of the power that our thoughts have. So, um, what do you think so far? I, I love it. I feel in this conversation and we'll get into later on how to actually change your thoughts, but I feel kind of helpless to me. A thought is, um, if it's unwelcome, it's almost like a, like, I feel like the victim of my own thoughts mm-hmm. and I don't know how, would you say that's an accurate state of mind or, or is that an accurate, <clears throat> accurate way to look at it? Well, victim is a strong word. I don't like that word. Um, but you are a passive, um, you're a passive recipient of your thoughts until you decide to take action. So, so, uh, you cannot change what you will not confront. Hmm. So this is why pausing, we're going to go to a passage of scripture, second Corinthians 10, uh, five and six, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the casting down of strongholds. Uh, but they have divine power to pull down strongholds and cast down imaginations Hmm. and every idle thought that, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and we force it to be obedient. Wow. This is how you win. And so, uh, people who battle anxiety, they're having anxious thoughts and they're not forcing those thoughts to be submitted to Christ, to be submitted to truth. So, your liberation is a two-step process to understand what you think, remove the lie, step one, 
And number two, replace it with the truth. Yeah. And think the truth. So, and I don't know if we, uh, I'm partially to blame for sure. I don't know if we've given a really good example so far of the power of this. So the marriage one really stuck out to me when you said, I think I'm being a good husband or not. And I think my wife is going to be a good wife or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, then, you know, with, within two weekends apart or like a weekend and then another weekend, you could go from being like, man, I am blessed with my wife, uh, firing on all cylinders. I've got a great life to uh, my wife doesn't care about me. Uh, she's not paying enough attention to me. Right. You know, so the, so the instability is the big thing to me. The inconsistency. That's what that's I think it's why I use the word kind of victim. Yes. Because you, you are at the whims of your thoughts, kind of. If you if you allow yourself if, to be exactly. a victim, so exactly. the 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 truth you should be anchoring in is not the current reality of her performance. Right. The truth you should be anchoring in is I'm a servant to my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife does not exist to serve me. My wife's life mission is not my happiness. I, my happiness is my job. My fulfillment is my job. If I'm if I'm hitting a wall with my wife, it is my responsibility to address said wall. And to serve her and discuss and heal and build and construct, I will get the life that I build with my own two hands, not the life that is given to me by a woman I'm married to. Yeah. So this deeper uh, lie is that it's your wife's job to make you happy. And so you have this unhappiness with her based on her performance because you have the expectation that she's going to bring you happiness. Right. And so you have to address the expectation, not the evaluation of her performance. And it strikes me, I'm always afraid, because I have some ahas before, it's like climactic. If this was like a, a normal storytelling thing, I'd have this aha further on. I'll say it now in case I forget. Uh, that maybe the more chaotic and consistent thoughts are when you're focused on the self. Because you are, you know, in a given day, you can be treated uh, uh, well or poorly, you know, six different times. So if you're focused on others, you know, you have agency there. Right. right, right. Like, like if your focus is on serving your wife, like you said, it doesn't really matter necessarily if she's having a bad day or not. That doesn't affect your um, thought level on that point because your objective is not to be served. Because mm-hmm. then, then you would be at the whims of everyone else. But also, if you believe that your wife does in fact love you, that, mm-hmm. then when she has a bad day, you're not reevaluating. Does she love me? Right. Does she care about me <laughs> every day? So you're giving her the benefit of the doubt because yeah. of what you believe to be true. Flat earthers, okay, mm-hmm. you know, centuries ago when they were, they believed the earth was flat. It was controlling shipping channels and things. Ships would not sail too far out. They thought they would fall off right. the earth. So it was controlling the behavior of uh, travel and exploration, all these things, because they absolutely believed. When it was, was not flat. true, yeah. Exactly. How much of our life is controlled like that? This is crazy. Uh, I keep mentioning him because I'm waiting for him to listen to the podcast. My buddy, Toby, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep talking about him. And then one day he's going to say, hey, you're talking about this podcast because <laughs> he'll actually listen. My buddy, Toby, loves watching videos of flat earthers. And they they do scientific experiments. So they will have like um, like a box, a long box with a, a prick on two ends uh, so that you can look through it. And if they don't line up because of the curvature of the earth, the earth will be round. They'll do tests like this all the time. Flat, and they believe the earth is flat. And they'll look through it. And they can't see the other hole because of the curvature of the earth. And they go, wow, that's interesting. And then they'll just do another <laughs> test. <laughs> so they try over and over again to validate their own beliefs. Get and they dis- can't. They can't. And they still hold on to their invalidated beliefs. That's funny. With how strong they hold on to it. It's, it's amazing. So we have to do some, uh, we got to do some brain work. Okay. So uh, the story is told of Houdini. 
and this is in uh-huh. Craig's book. Uh, Houdini, you know who Houdini is. Yeah, was. yeah, Harry Houdini. Yeah. So he would go t- to these towns and he would visit the jails. Okay. And he would say, lock me in your jail. Pick your jail cell, lock it, take away the key. And um, within minutes, he would escape from jail. Every time. He'd go to these towns. I'm coming what? to your town. Get the jail ready. I'm coming. They would lock him in a jail cell and he would escape. No way. Yes. All the time. And so this jailer hears that Harry Houdini's coming to his town. This is not today. So what he does is when he puts Houdini in the jail cell and he turns the key, he actually unlocks the lock. Hmm. And Houdini cannot get out. He keeps locking himself back in the cell wow. because he's manipulating the lock, but he doesn't realize it's unlocked when he starts manipulating. So every time before he yanks the door, he locks it and yanks it. Yes. Then he, yeah. And so, um, so it was a, it was a mind trick. That's genius. Yeah. Well, we confront these things all the time where we're, 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 we're sitting in a jail cell. Uh, there's a book I loved years ago called a whack on the side of the head. <laughs> uh, that's the name what of the title. Book. Yeah. And it's about how, um, you had to think differently. You got to think differently. Yeah. Like a whack on the side of the head and the story of the keyboard, the typing keyboard, you know, the letters are all jumbled. You know why? Right. Uh, no, actually, I guess when not. they made the original typewriter, <clears throat> it was a manual typewriter. It wasn't electric. Right. Well, these secretaries were just, and they were typing so fast that the typewriter could not keep up with them. It kept jamming keys. So they had to confuse the, so they kept memory. saying, you know, make a faster typewriter, make a fat. And so all these people are trying to make a faster typewriter. And one guy goes, we got to make a slower typist. So they jumbled the they letters, jumbled out. the letters and it never happened again. And now our keyboards are still jumbled because yeah, of this. Because everyone got too used to it. Yeah. And so uh, so if you, if you think you can't do something, you probably won't. Yeah. If you think you can't write that book, you won't write it. So when we think about um, the understanding of the world, right? The, one, the flat earth thing, the mm-hmm. sailors of, of the uh, age of exploration. Uh, it's hard to put ourselves there. Because that was so concrete. Because that was an understanding of how the world functions, right? Yes. So, how would you have any advice for um, for changing how you think about the abstract, your chances of success, or um, you know something like that? Well, I think it's deeper than that. I think we have these deeper thoughts that are in us that are fundamental. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, if you think you can't do something, you probably won't. But if right. you think you can, you probably will. And so I'm amazed when I meet people who have um, been successful or climbed to a certain height, and I realize how common Joe they are. Mm. The only difference is they get off their butt and they did something, while other people just had ideas and then thought, is that a good enough idea? Am I really, could I really pull this off? And meanwhile, they're just getting to work. They believe that they can do it, and they go do it. Sure. And they're not any sharper than the guy who's actually smart. Except he's sitting at home. But thought himself out of he it. He thought himself out of it. Who you are today is a result of your thoughts in the past. Who you become in the future will reflect what you think about today. So here's a here here's a, a, a thought audit. Okay, mm-hmm. let's have a little fun with this. Um, and this is right out of Craig's book um, that you should do a, a thought audit. So I'm going to ask you, these are 20 questions. Okay. And uh, you really ought to do this take some time and do it but i'm going to just give you you'll have some immediate thoughts about all 20 questions am i going to air my dirty laundry here like how no you how? don't have to answer them out loud okay 
Okay. But these are thought, these are questions we all should ask. First are the defense questions. Mm -hmm. Are my thoughts tearing me down? Mm. Okay. It's amazing how many of our self-talk and thoughts are negative. Yeah. Do I think worried thoughts? Does my self-talk cause me to shrink back in fear? Do my thoughts cause me to keep people at a distance? Are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life I really want? Hmm. Are my unhealthy thoughts keeping me from the life God wants for me? Yeah. Are my thoughts negative, toxic, or self-deprecating? Does my inner voice tell me I'm helpless or that life is hopeless? Do I find myself skeptical of other people? Do I lean toward imagining worst case scenarios? Okay, well, those are all defense. Sure. Here's your offense thoughts. Are my thoughts building me up? Do I think peaceful thoughts? Does my self-talk inspire me to take faith risks? Do my thoughts help me get closer to others? Do my thoughts reflect faith? Are my thoughts God-honoring? Hmm. Do my thoughts reflect hope in Christ? Do they inspire me to believe I can make a difference in the world? Do they equip me to be more like Jesus? Do my thoughts connect to the vision that God has for my life? That's 20 questions. Those are great questions because what you realize, you start deconstructing your thinking and you realize how much of an enemy you are to yourself. The story right. of the old cowboy gets up one morning and he looks in the mirror, he's about to shave, and he says, well, feller, are you for me or against me today? <laughs> <laughs> and run me, uh, walk me through the uh, uh, offense and defense there. Well, the the defense is um, I'm I'm having uh, thoughts that keep me from scoring. Mm -hmm. Offense is I'm having thoughts that make me score. Right. So I'm losing ground because of these thoughts, and I'm gaining ground because of the other thoughts. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do, do I think peaceful thoughts? That's an offense. I'm going to gain ground if, I, if the answer is yes. Do I do do I'm I, losing ground if the answer is yes to the defensive thoughts. Exactly. Gotcha. Totally with you. Okay, let's do uh our um little podcast halftime. Okay. Uh this week it is uh my week for a media review, media it show is. and tell. And I'm going to do our very first album. We've talked so far about books and uh I wanted to uh to share an album. So uh most I listen to more and more variety of music all the time. When I was a kid, it was just like hard rock was basically it. I liked Metallica a lot. A lot of really, really bands that I hate now. I'm okay with Metallica. I don't listen to Metallica in my free time. I don't hate them. But like I listen to like really emotional. Now Metallica, that's metal. That's right? metal, yeah. Yeah. But metal to me, like what differentiates it between like if you if you got a double kick drum and someone's screaming in the microphone, that's what I think of as like heavy metal. Hard rock and, and metal, they, they bleed over a bit. In my opinion, anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I was saying that I've, that I, uh, I don't, I'm not there anymore. Mm. Then I started listening to uh, some more like uh, kind of R&B stuff. Then we, as a family, got really into soul music. We would play it whenever we played cards around the table after dinner. And then I started listening to some classical through NPR. Then through a different NPR station, listen to jazz. And jazz, oh man, I was home. Love jazz music. It's like it gives me so much life. So. 
uh, from there into blues and then a whole bunch of other stuff. I listen to some old country music now. Never thought this would ever happen. Listen to some Hank Williams, some Marty Robbins. Uh, pop country is still very difficult for me. But uh, anyway, I listen to a lot of stuff. That's basically my point. This is uh, one of my favorite albums by uh, Pops Staples. So his daughter, Mavis Staples, is a lot more famous. You might have heard of Mavis Staples. Uh, she's a, a pretty prolific R&B singer. A good friend of mine, his son, was her personal assistant for a while. Really? Remember Paul Tedesco? Yeah, of course. His son was Mavis Staples' personal assistant. Wow. That is awesome. So Pop Staples is Mavis Staples' dad. And uh, they sang together for a little bit, and he, he's he got to be dead by now. The guy was old performing, like still writing albums, still recording, and he's, and he's old. This album is called Don't Lose This by Pop Staples. Uh, it's incredible. He... Uh, has some covers of songs, he covers some Bob Dylan songs. He covers, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, gotta serve somebody. He's got a cover of that. That's like one of my favorites. Uh, just some of my favorite songs of all time. Want sweet home, better home. Somebody was watching. He's got a cover of that. Really, really good. And, uh, it, it's a good intro to blues music. If you haven't listened to a lot of blues. Now, is it possible for you to play a little lick of this or is this something illegal? No, it's, it even though be... you're giving credit and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'd rather play it safe. Okay. People, everyone's got the internet. If you're listening to this, you can look it up if you if you want to. No pressure, obviously. And what's his name again? Pops Staples. Like the store Staples. Right. Pops like the cereal. Yep. Uh, blues music for, is is an interesting one for me because it's a very shallow genre. You can't do a ton in blues music before it becomes what blues music turn into, before it becomes rock and roll, before it becomes oh, a right. version of country. It is a very narrow niche. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, uh, my favorites, Pop Staples is is a very good intro to that, and from there I would go to uh, Chris Thomas King, uh, John Lee Hooker, uh, Lead Belly, BB King. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's again blues. Eventually, you just become BB uh, King is something closer to soul or R and B because it is such a, a such a specific. Fats thing. Domino, maybe I don't actually I can't think of a, a song for Fats Domino. Oh really? Yeah, he was one of my dad's favorites. Okay. Oh, uh, Van Morrison. Oh, okay. He has yeah. a lot of blues music. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my first album cover or album. Uh, uh, a and what's the name of the album? Don't lose this by Pop Staples. Don't lose this. Uh, really good. He's got a lot of albums. This one in particular uh, really got me. And uh, and yeah, maybe I'll show some some jazz next time. Well, as soon something. as this episode is over, we're gonna listen to it because I want to hear some. I'll play you some. I think you'll like it. He's got a he's got a funny voice. But I think it's beautiful, and he's a great guitarist. He plays on steel strings the way all the blues guys do. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Nice. Okay. As opposed to nylon strings? Uh, no. There, I mean, there's a lot of different strings. Old-school old, old school steel strings are just very, very harsh. Mm. And they're very uh, grungy. Yeah, I like them. All right. Uh, here's our commercial break. We'll talk to you in just a minute. All right. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, 
consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Thanks for, uh, man, we just want to thank our patrons. We want to thank our listeners. Way to go. We're proud of you. I want to do a quick shout out. We uh, have a listener and a patron, and she's always reaching out to us. And our email wasn't working for a long oh, time, for, yeah. for months. And we didn't know. And we had no clue. And she reached out uh, to let us know she got she was getting a bounce back. And uh, and we solved the problem, and it's all good now. Thank you so much, Lori. Very, very grateful. Uh, uh, she's a big source of encouragement. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> all right. So Paul Paul says, uh, you know, he, he's the one that wrote in Romans 7, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing them. Yeah. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Wretched man that I am, who can save me? Yeah. Uh, he's also the one who, who in Philippians 4.12 says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. So, you know, he goes from that guy in Romans 7 to this Philippians guy. And then in Corinthians, he says, though we live in the world, we do not wage the world, wage war like the world does. Because we have these weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. Mm-hmm. Now, and here's the rest of the verse. Just This is, again, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Okay. That's gotcha. what I meant. Gotcha. We demolish arguments. Okay, and that's a thing in your head. And every pretension, thoughts, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is the way we win. One, two, three, four, I declare a thumb war. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know there's actually a thumb war league? There are professional thumb war guys. It does not surprise me. I I didn't didn't know know this, but Greg Rochelle mentioned in the book and like, uh, like professional athletes, like Jack, the gripper. Oh my gosh. uh, (laughs) You know, that sounds to me like someone who'd be, you know, those little uh, mini skateboards that you do <laughs> yeah. with your fingers. I feel like a professional, they're called tech deck. Yeah, no kidding. Professional tech deck. Um, but uh, the thing is, um, and and this is kind of the, the, I like the reason I brought up one, two, three, four, I have a thumb war. Let, let's have a thumb war. It's good for maybe to get that in your head. One, two, three, four, I declare a thought war. Mm. Because um, you end up, you're in this tailspin of despair. Uh, everything's looking dark. I can't do it. Nothing good's going to happen. This is going to go bad. I've got a job interview. I know I'm going to blow it. Yeah. People don't like me. Um, I'm not very popular. Man, you just go on and on and on and on. And it's a hey, one, two, three, four. I declare a thought war. I got to go to war with my thoughts. So uh, practically, you did, uh, I think it was a Wednesday night uh, service on the um, the Corinthians um, tearing down strongholds, mm-hmm. uh, 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 battling arguments and pretension uh, practically. And you, you talked a lot about it then, but I, and I should have taken notes cause I thought it was amazing. Practically. What is that in like, is that just better self-talk? Is that the spirit? Is that prayer? Cause he says these weapons he says we have these weapons to do these things. What are the weapons he's talking about? Yeah. So the word stronghold is, a is the word that means fortress. Yeah. So what happens is I have this fort in my head. I have these forts of thoughts and they are impenetrable and they are keeping what's in them in them. And they're keeping what I need to put in them, not in them. Mm -hmm. And so this fortress, this stronghold has to be defeated. 
typical stronghold. Um, you will never amount to anything. Mm-hmm. You're you're lazy and worthless and blah blah blah. If you had a if you had a dad that did that to you or whatever, um, if if you you know a lot of people go through a divorce. I'm unlovable. Uh, I'm a not, nobody should marry me. You know you just you have these fortress of thoughts, and so um, what you have to do is is declare war. We have to have weapons that have divine power. Well, what weapon has divine power? The word of God does. Hmm. So nothing helps you more than getting the word of God into your heart and mind, memorizing scripture, being able to being able to um, use God's word as a weapon. When you read in Ephesians chapter six, the um, the armor of God, the only offensive weapon in that whole armor is the Bible, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So we fight with this. We, we, we fight with truth. Hmm. And you have to identify the lie. You have to reject the lie. And you have to replace it with truth. So reject the lie. Replace it with truth. Remove the lie. Replace it with truth. Yeah. And so I think what, what, um, what, is, what we have to confess here is that if I could do this, I'd already be doing it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so uh, the first problem is that we're basically ignorant. We don't even realize we're being controlled by our thoughts. Sure. So the first step is to is to start leaning in. Hey, this is a battlefield. What is it I'm thinking right now that's keeping me in this place? Um, and then what's the truth? And how do I replace it with the truth? So that's all great. That is a that is a tremendous start. But to me, it has to be wrapped also in this. Lord, I don't have the power to control my mind as powerfully as I need to here. Mm-hmm. So help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And here's the truth. He is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God has given us his Holy Spirit as a helper to be. Jesus was with us, but the Spirit is in us. And so I'm not alone. And I can have the mind of Christ. This is what the Word of God tells me. That um, that that the faith the size of a mustard seed can produce fruit in my life. Yeah. Um, that, that greater is he's in me than who he was in, in the world. That the God who is for me is way more powerful than the enemies that are against me. That I am deeply loved by God. That I, that God is not, I, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not even who I think I am. I am in fact who he thinks I am. So I just need help and, and start to fight these thoughts. Take the thoughts captive yeah well and even when i talk about uh like i use that victim word victim of your thoughts yes that is already a it's a loaded word what it's what it is it's it's already admitting defeat it's you saying i can't overcome these right you've already again you're acting on the assumption now or the belief that you can't and you've already lost right i think i think that the one of the ahas i've had in thought patterns yeah is a paradigm shift that Spiritual maturity, typically in the American church, means you know a lot of stuff. We are informed, but we are not transformed. Mm. So somehow we get in our head, if I read my Bible, like if I was say, describe your life, John, if you were faithful to God, if you were going to be a spiritual person, you would say things like, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to spend yeah. time with God. Well, those aren't, those aren't spiritual works. Those are preparation for spiritual works. Hmm. So uh, the big aha for me 
is that discipleship is not about knowing the right thing. Discipleship is about doing the right thing. It's about obedience. Hmm. And so it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what I think. If Jesus says, do this, then I should do it. Right. And that actually by doing it, I begin to change and become like it. Hmm. This is one of my aha. So, um, so I'm not letting myself put myself off the hook because I memorized a verse of scripture or I spent some time in the Bible this morning because I usually feel really good if I'm faithful to my time in the word every day. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, I might've just been an absolute turd to my wife or, um, you know, I'm cussing under my breath at the driver who's an idiot in front of me or whatever. (laughs) And I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm just a jerk, but I think I'm, you know, so for me, what, what that's doing for me is it's making my, um, my personal discipleship to be looking for what should I do? Hmm. Not what should I feel? What should I know? Yeah. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but it's been a real paradigm shift for me. It's been very cool to me. I thought, no, I think that made a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Um, we began the fall in Genesis three because of a lie. You will not surely die. Mm. And not only will you not die, God's holding out on you. Um, if you eat that fruit, you'll become like God. What he really doesn't want is for you to become like him. Yeah. And so seduction by your thoughts. Uh, James says that um, no man should say God is tempting me because God doesn't tempt by evil. He's not tempted by it and he doesn't tempt anyone. But each of us is dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. So uh, we have got to take control. And that guy you're going to meet in the mirror 10 years from now he will have published this book and several others, or he will have published none hmm. because of the thoughts that you have right now. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. It reminds me, this is more motivational than what we're really talking about now, Steve, but Stephen King has a, a quote about this. He uh, talks about talent. He says, talent is about is worth as much to me as table salt. He says, talent is, is nothing. It's, it's about the guy who actually gets up and does whatever he's trying to do. That was my point about action, that, right, that exactly. people take action. And they, they're changing the world while we're sitting here staring at our navel going, I really don't know if I'm good enough. Exactly. Yeah. That the guy who, the, those who take action generally. The world leans in favor of doers. Mm-hmm. It For just, sure. It just really does. Meanwhile, we're sitting there hijacked by our thoughts, our insecurities. We're enslaved. We're, we're blocked. So I had this experience, John, we, we talked about doing a whole episode about this, but I had this experience a few weeks ago. I was in Dallas for a conference with some of our team. I stayed over to visit my mom and my siblings. Then I flew to Seattle, met Sue at the airport and we flew to Phoenix for our anniversary. Yeah. So I'm on that flight in Dallas. I'm sitting in the plane. Um, there's a delay before we can push back for some reason. So we're sitting there a long time and I start noticing what's going on around me. I notice who's sitting with people they know and who's sitting by themselves, who's on their phone, who's got kids, what are they doing? And all of a sudden the thought hit me. I wonder what these people would do if 45 minutes from now, both engines catch on fire and the pilot says, we're going to crash land and we start falling out of the sky. Yeah. And I started looking at individual people and I started wondering, that guy right there, who would he call on his cell phone? What's he going to say? What are the regrets that are going to run through his mind? 
in these last 12 minutes of his life. If you got 12 minutes to live and you find out right now in 12 minutes, you're going to die. I just started, my mind just started racing with these people. What would they start saying to each other? Would people who've had very sketchy belief in God, would they start to pray? Yeah. Um, Who's sitting there thinking, oh, I wasted so much my life. I should have published that book. I was, I kept putting it off. I didn't think I was good enough. I wish I'd finished, you know, and I sat there and I started making some notes in my journal because I realized that I need to live my life on purpose. Hmm. If I end up with a 12 minute warning, I'm going to die in 12 minutes. It's too late at that point. I just want there to be no regrets. I want it to be okay. I've been living. I've been living. I've been living the life I want. I've been loving the people I love. I've resolved the uh, wounds and the conflict with the people I love. Um, it's good with me and God. It's good with me and my family. Um, I did the most meaningful work I could. I'm, I haven't been waiting to live one day when I finally quit working. I'm living now. You know, I'm not saying all that's true about me. I'm saying that's what I want to be true. Right. I want to live so that I would have no regrets in a 12-minute call. And I think this is kind of connected to our thoughts because that to do, to live that lifestyle is yeah is it, this what it, we're it requires about. you to control your thinking, and uh, I just think there's enormous power in it. That's awesome. Do you have a primary takeaway from the whole conversation? Yeah, the big one for me is is um, your agency in your thoughts, and that because uh, for me it's it's like we talked about mindset for tasks, but even mindset for changing your mindset. It's like, it's like the first step of all of it is, is believing whether or not you can or can't do something. Mm-hmm. And so you could even try and go before that and say, well, how do I make myself believe that I can do something? You know, you could, you could play that game all day. Um, but I think the power of it is, is there. If you watch successful people yeah. and people who have not been able to achieve what they want to achieve, uh, you see it, you see it there. Like you said, the, these aren't always extraordinary savants. Yeah. Oftentimes they're just motivated people. It's interesting. On the day that we were making this recording, I played golf today. Yeah. And I haven't played a lot of golf lately. And so my confidence isn't super high, but neither is my uh, concern about being great. Sure. So it's just fun. You're just having a good time. Yeah. But um, there were twice, at least twice on the course today, where I'm standing over a shot and I thought, I can't hit this shot. Hmm. And then I thought about this whole thing. Oh, I know I can't hit this shot if I think I can't hit this shot. Right. (laughs) And so I changed my thoughts. I stood over putts multiple times today. Man, I wish I could make a putt. I'm not going to make this putt. I wish I could make a putt. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, a guy who says, I can make this putt. I can do that shot. Um, In golf, golf is so much an effect. It's affected by how you're thinking. Yeah, because every single minor, you know, Everything comes into play. Yeah. So that mindset's probably When you huge. stand on a tee box and there's a water hazard and you're thinking, don't go in the water. Don't go in the water. Right. <laughs> you're going in the water. Yeah. Uh, or my favorite, guys would take out, we're on a water hole, and uh, so they put away their good ball and they get out a bad ball. So if it goes in the water, right. they won't be sad. And I'm like, you just guaranteed that sucker's going in the water. Well, take us home, John. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening again. This was episode uh, 109. Uh, if you want to contact us, we have a fully functioning email address now, <laughs> uh, at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. 
Uh, if you want to go to that website, jimandjohn.com, you'll find uh, uh, everything there, works we've published. You can listen to this podcast there, uh, a blog, and you can contact us there as well. And uh, if for social media, we're mainly active on uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. at Jim and John. And uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. Contact from our biggest, our biggest desire is more contact from our listeners. So if yeah. you have any feedback or any questions or episode ideas, you can uh, access... Uh, uh, communicate with us any of those ways we'd love to hear from you absolutely thanks for listening have a tremendous day